Hello and welcome back to the Soldiers of Cinema podcast. I'm Colin McFader and I'm joined once again by Clark Coffey from sunny California. Sunny and smoky. Yeah, I guess it is smoky these days, isn't it? Yeah, yeah unfortunately, unfortunately. Yeah, so today we're going to be talking uh, about Lesson 6 in Werner Herzog's Masterclass, which is all about negotiation skills, oh, yeah. um, both with uh, you know financers and actors and things like that, just kind of general skills that you should have going into a, a film career, but also perhaps something you can take away even if you aren't going into film. Uh, there's there's always going to be negotiations in life, so Absolutely. You know, these skills and, are and- kind of uh, universal. And as always, uh, Werner Herzog uh, remains controversial, as mm-hmm. he is in many <laughs> of his statements about filmmaking and art. He is certainly doesn't let us down here. Uh, definitely uh, has some potentially controversial comments about uh, working on handshakes versus contracts, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. we'll get into that stuff. But, um, but yeah, so negotiation skills. Um, and right off the bat... Uh, Herzog uh, mentions that you should be candid. Well, that's, yes, I think I would definitely agree with that. What do you think, Colin? Should you lie when you're negotiating or should you? Oh, always. Absolutely. (laughs) You should tell them that you got like six other backers who are each putting in 400K. Well, well, you know, we laugh. (laughs) We laugh, but of course, but of course this happens all the time. Uh, Yeah. Unfortunately, people are, uh, and, and maybe sometimes it's that they are, you know, excited or passionate about the project and, you know. Uh, best case scenario is a little bit of exaggeration kind of gets in there. Of course, sometimes people are just flat out dishonest and will mm-hmm. do anything they want to get some you know things done. But uh, this is definitely not controversial to me. I certainly agree with Herzog. I think that um, if you want longevity uh, in this business, then it certainly behooves you to be honest. I'm curious, have you ever had any experiences where somebody was dishonest? Uh, maybe it was like a project somebody was wanting to hire you, or, um, or maybe a you know a, a collaborator or somebody. I'm just curious if you had ever experienced anybody. I wouldn't say like explicitly dishonest. Yeah. Um, but there, I think a lot of people, like you said, they get kind of swept up in the passion of it, and so they'll exaggerate things right. that right. maybe aren't. And you know, sometimes that can be kind of harmless. Sometimes it can kind of get someone into trouble. No question. Um, later on, but yeah. um, you know, I've had I've had the. Even just something like, you know, we're really hoping to make a return on this, so you'll probably get paid. And then, of course, that doesn't, you well, know, that, always yeah. go into those things. I'm always kind of like, yeah, I'm probably sure. probably going to make nothing on this. <laughs> well, and that's, you know, and that's definitely my experience, too. I mean, their um, deferred payment is a, is a very popular type of payment here, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at our level where we're, you know, in the beginnings of our careers as filmmakers I think many people have probably experienced that. I've certainly experienced that on the actor side when I was primarily uh, pursuing acting. I can't tell you how many gigs I had deferred payment, uh, but I've even had production uh, producer uh, roles that were similarly structured. And um, yeah, I, I and think... I've heard horror stories too. I've, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think we all have where it's like yeah. just absolute chaos and things like that. Yeah, and it's you know, and there and we want we're not going to get into the super nitty gritty of of these kind of things, but boy, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, uh, there are a million different ways to structure payment, and a lot of those ways, I would say, probably nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine of them could leave you with no pay in the future. Yeah, <laughs> but. Yeah. But yeah, I, you know, and so I think it just maybe the take home here is, you know, uh, be honest yourself. And of course, there's a lot of different reasons why you should do that, you know, just be a decent human being. But, um, but be, you know, be careful. um, Because people, you know, even honest people, they get excited and passionate. And, you know, it's extremely difficult to get a film made. And sometimes people will start to stretch that reality just a hair to try to to get it made. So, um, so definitely, you know, I think it's always, always be careful. Now, this kind of, now we go into Herzog talks about attorneys and utilizing attorneys mm-hmm. to do deals. So here we've just said, you know, uh, there can definitely be a lot of pitfalls uh, when, it, when, when you're negotiating a contract. Herzog says, stay away from attorneys. What do you think, Cullen? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I can totally <laughs> see why someone like Werner Herzog would want to stay away from attorneys. Sure. Um I, I think that there's there's like a level to that in which they can kind of, you know, I think there's always going to be uh, an issue with someone who fundamentally doesn't necessarily understand the process 
being involved in that process. And most entertainment attorneys understand filmmaking to a certain level. But, sure, but yeah. you know, there's 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 always going to be a little bit of, of communication kind of headroom there. Um, but I also think, like, for your own safety, I would always recommend just even, you know, sitting down with an entertainment lawyer or even a family lawyer just to not, I mean, I don't mean like a divorce lawyer, but your family yeah, lawyer to have yeah, one. Understood, but, yeah. Um, um, and just getting them to read over a contract or something like that. Because an attorney that's at least... Uh, an attorney that is at least skilled at reading mm-hmm. and understanding contracts. Because right? sometimes yeah. you can just get into a thing where there's legal jargon in there. And, and, you know, as much as you always want to expect the best intentions of everybody, there are times when people will intentionally throw things in contracts to, to basically screw you over. Yeah. And yeah. To, well, to, you know. I mean, I think it's interesting to point out. I mean, you know, um, I think there are levels in which I, I completely uh, agree with Herzog. And there are kind of some other levels where... I don't know that I would operate in the exact same way myself. I mean, you know, you've got to look at where Herzog is in his career, too. I mean, we're talking about somebody who has had a tremendous amount of experience making films over numerous decades. He is, for the most part, highly regarded and has built up a network in the industry of people that he has worked with many times before. Um, You know, so... He's probably in a different position than a lot of people listening to this podcast. If you, you know, are in fact uh, interested in pursuing a career as a filmmaker, um, you're probably not so well established. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that that's definitely a difference to consider. I mean, I, I think on the one hand, I, I get where he's coming from. It's like, you know, I have had relationship like film relationships, projects stalled for a, a year or more because the 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 contracts were just so complicated and mm-hmm. overwrought and it, it just caused fear and confusion and so you know on the one half i really believe simple plain language and short are definitely better you really can kill an otherwise potentially exciting uh, interesting project with just you know a, just a ton of bureaucracy and legalese mm-hmm. i mean you completely smother a project with that and you know attorneys tend to come from that angle right i mean that's what they've studied that's what they spent their whole life doing it's like you know uh they're not doing their job unless they've got a 60 page contract where every single possible contingency of outcome is you know hashed out to the nth degree um, I mean, that, that can definitely just befuddle and confuse a project. So on the one hand, I, I get that. But on the other hand, I mean, I kind of agree with you that um, it, that it's not a bad thing uh, to have an attorney at least look over a contract, especially for a significant project. Now, I mean, it's like that you got to take that into account, too, right? If it's like you and a handful of friends uh, making a short film. <laughs> you bring your attorney <laughs> well, along. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, but if there's actual real, if there's significant money or time involved or both, right. I mean, especially if you're going to be investing in somebody else's project, if, if you're a producer and you're putting money into it, I, I think, you know, that, or if you're putting a substantial amount of time in it and the project yeah. has the potential to actually get distribution, uh, has the potential to actually be seen, uh, I mean, you definitely want to protect your interests, your your investment, uh, protect your credit and how you're represented and what kind of creative input and control you, you have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, and not to speak for Herzog, but I think, I think I can see kind of where he's going with this point, which is more that, you know, during creative negotiation. Yeah. During, during points where you're um, going back and forth about, about decisions that you are going to make as the, you know, let's say you're being hired as director. Um, those things I can understand why you wouldn't necessarily want, like at that point, you're just kind of thinking, let's, let's talk about the picture and then we can get, you know, the legal stuff out of the way later at a a set point. But I can understand why you wouldn't necessarily want to concern yourself with, with legal jargon and all that at the beginning of the process, or even just in, in an initial, um, you know, before anything's signed. But, um, I think again, on the flip side of that is it's a very, I mean, it's a catchy phrase, but I think on the flip side of that, that phrase of, you know, don't negotiate with an attorney present or whatever. Um, I would say that definitely when you're signing something, 
you want at least somebody to read that over for you because yeah. um yeah i mean as as you said you can get into some sticky situations right and it could be you know uh, and it's not even necessarily that somebody's out to get you and you're being actively screwed in a contract but you could just not realize that you could have had potentially more you know more input in the creative process maybe you you know or just to make sure that your credit is properly represented when it's all said and done that your input yeah. is represented yeah. properly you know in the uh, and the credits for it, or, you know, that your investment is properly uh, represented and accounted for. And um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it, and it's funny, like I've, you, you mentioned, you know, worrying about these things too early, but I can't tell you how many times, just countless times, that a, what should have been a creative conversation has been completely cut off by somebody being, you know, darn near paranoid about the legality of something you know yeah. it's like yeah i mean it's like come on you know especially at this level it's like i you know you have to sign three it's like you know somebody who's who has no credits and has like never produced a film in their life and they're like you need to sign five nda's before i can even show you you know the script and i you well, know I, i'm like oh my god it's gosh, funny that you on. mentioned that because i think that's a very film school thing oh is that so i, I actually be. worked on and it was and it was a great i mean if any of these people that i worked on this project with i i, I actually enjoyed the project and enjoy the people very much but they were all students at, at um a local film school here one of the uh, more shall major not be ones named. <laughs> and yeah and uh i have people that work there too that are in my circle so i don't want <laughs> yeah 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 but um but no the it, they were so they were all students at this film school and i was acting in this i was acting this with a friend so you know whenever i'm acting i even though i do have the, the experience of behind the camera i i really try and siphon myself off and i go no i'm the actor for this i'm not gonna yeah make anything any sort of comments on anything else i'm just gonna sit, right. sit here and Which do is, my job yeah um but um i can remember that even though around here uh you know just outside of toronto and mostly within toronto too you don't actually need permits to shoot in public spaces oh, um wow. the only time you need permits is if something you are doing is disrupting public traffic so whether that's walking traffic or um uh like car traffic that's sure. really i mean there, there are specialized what about permits horse for, and buggy traffic Oh no no that's that's we we yeah we've got uh, anti Amish discrimination <laughs> laws here so um, okay, but good, but good. no we we so you really don't and especially when you're out of the city like you know the worst that'll happen in the city is a, a cop will come up and ask you you know what's going on and you kind of explain it away and it's fine out of the city nothing like it's in the suburbs nobody will ever care yeah um, but when we were shooting at this um, this hiking trail once uh, public property. And there's like train tracks along it. And that's why we were shooting there is because there's this, I can't, I can't quite remember what the idea of the story was, but there were these train tracks and something had to do with the train tracks. And was we were, we were like far away from the them. wrong side of the train. Yeah. Tracks, yeah. Very, very spooky. Um, <laughs> okay. But I remember any, any time a person would walk by the entire crew and they all went to this film school. I was, again, I was not at that film school. Yeah. Um, would pack up all of the gear, put it all in their bags <laughs> and then sit. And it was like anytime anybody would walk by, whether it was a car driving by or and and there was this whole contingency plan of like if somebody asks us what we're doing, here's our oh, here's wow. our like teacher contact that we have to tell them. And we're just making a tiny short film for this university or this uh, college. And I just remember sitting there and I, again, I was talent. So I just kind of sat there and, and didn't say anything. But I was just like, I can't imagine the paranoia there of like, you know what you kind of I, I always say to a reasonable degree and obviously not compromising safety ever but like what is the worst that can happen in terms of just stuff like that yeah like if someone walks by and asks us what we're doing there and says well you got to leave the worst thing that would happen is is you know the very worst case scenario there is the police would show up and ask us to leave like right. that's that's really the the very worst scenario so it's like is it worth which would also never happen because technically you're there's no law that prohibits what you're doing. So, you know, just read up on the local laws and kind of don't worry about that stuff. But yeah, I do agree with you that there are times when it's like it really impedes progress, how paranoid people can get right. about. And that, you know, that goes for location permits to everything from, as you said, like I've got to sign you to got you to sign an NDA before you read the script, stuff like that. You know, it's like at the end of the day, if I'm sending someone a script, maybe I'll, you know, the, the most real stake i'll put in it is just doing the uh, watermark with their name on it so at least if i know that it's being distributed it was distributed by them yeah um but even then that's a pretty rare thing most people i send my scripts to i can i can trust on a, a pretty basic level yeah yeah and i think again it's like you know obviously people at different levels in their career and you know i think different 
levels of uh, security, so to speak, yeah. might yeah. apply. But I've just, you know, I, again, I've seen it at, yes, and, and assuming here that most of this audience would be, you know, if you've if you're taking the masterclass lessons, um, maybe you're just a fan of Herzog's, or but likely you're pursuing a you know a career as a filmmaker and you're likely you know near-ish the beginning of your career i mean yeah it's i've just seen so many times where uh people are just so terrified and maybe you're right you know i hadn't thought about that but it seems like the vast majority of those people were, were film school um students uh, at least at one point and not having been one myself i'm not quite sure what the uh, curriculum might be but i'm sure they, they probably do go over quite a bit of how to protect yourself legally and and cover your own butt. Um, but yeah, it's just been sometimes shocking to me how people are so terrified to share a script or, you mm -hmm. know, discuss certain aspects of how, what a creative relationship or partnership might look like. Um, and uh, do, yeah. do you know what I find weird too? Yeah. Um, is working on small projects and like, you know, personal projects or things that you kind of have complete creative control or you, a group of friends, have complete creative control mm. about. And then the people that are constantly concerned about credit, that, ah. that are, are you know, never stop. If one thing changes in, in the production and it's like, am I still getting credit for this or are you getting credit for that now? Oh, or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it's, I always think that that's, that's so funny because it's like, you know, to me, I don't worry about credit until the movie's done. And then I look back at the work that everyone's done and I credit accordingly. That's, that's, that's right. kind of how credit goes for me. I mean, of course, there are instances when in advance things are signed about certain credits, but... You know, on, on a general note of like indie filmmaking or very small scale, low to no budget filmmaking, usually that's just kind of how it works is you, you do the job and people might take on multiple roles that they weren't necessarily signing on to do, but they, you know, they yeah. really kind of jump into those roles and then you, you credit them accordingly afterwards. But I think that's so funny that there's some people who are so, so concerned about, you know, sure. like steadfast in making sure that at all moments of, of production that you know exactly who's getting credited for what and, well, you know. And, you know, and just to say, you know, played a little bit, you know, a little bit of the other side of the coin here. I mean, this is one area where I think contract and when I say contract, I mean, you can have just a page, mm -hmm. you know, contract doesn't have to be some 60 page long thing filled with legalese. And I think, you know, it's one of the things Herzog says here, you know, the longer it gets, the less likely that you're going to actually make a film. Yeah. And yeah. I agree with that to a certain point, especially at these kind of um, more, I don't want to say amateur, but kind of beginning of career phases um, but, uh, but you can completely, I mean, I think, you know, some people I think are paranoid about that maybe for reason, you know, because they've done a lot of work that wasn't represented in the credits on a previous, uh, film. I've seen that happen myself. Other times people are just, you know, skeptical or afraid in general, or maybe they're, you know, hyper focused on their, what their credits are going to be. But, you know, oftentimes too, you know, that's all people are getting out of working on a, uh, production at a lower level. They're not mm -hmm. getting paid, and that credit they're hoping will will add to their resume and lead to the exposure payment. You know, so I yeah. so I can kind of sympathize a little bit, but those are things. I mean, I've done that myself. Like I've got the, a documentary feature that I'm in pre production on here, and we we unfortunately did spin our wheels for quite a bit of time. Uh, we started to go down that route of having too convoluted a contract to designate mm -hmm. how you know we were going to work together at this stage where we're it's a biography and so we're working on uh you know ownership and uh position and all these kind of things and i just you know i just very simply in plain language put exactly what i wanted my um my credit to be and I, this is yeah. the work that I'm going to do, and this is what I want my credit to be. Which, I mean, it's a, it's yeah. appropriate to the, you know, I can't say, as a producer, I can't say I want to be named director in the credits, of course. It, but just to have that in writing, it's very clear. It's up front. These are my, this is my responsibilities. This is what I'm going to get paid for completing those responsibilities. And this is what my credit's going to be. Very simply. And that's, a, I mean, that's exactly what I mean, is that, that on a very basic level, yeah, I, I, I totally, that was kind of, what I had actually recently just done too for this this feature is that you know very upfront I just kind of said, here's the here's what I will be doing here's the roles that I'll be taking on, um, and me and the producer team were very clear that we also didn't want at any point we didn't want the financials to compromise anything with with creative decisions that you know if there was a financier coming in that was offering you know. A, a, an ample sum of money that we wouldn't want to compromise any of those creative decisions. But I, you know, again, it was kind of exactly like you said, it was, it was at, the, at up front, we just kind of had a piece of paper 
yeah and said okay so i'm directing i'm ep um and here's the roles that i'll be carrying out and kind of things yeah. like that just very simply very simply um, but and, you know what it, yeah. it, it kind of but it i think it forces or it should i mean i think ideally when you're doing this what it's forcing you to do is be very clear and very specific in your communication of expectation and whether you put that on a piece of paper or not um, that is such an important aspect of, you know, of creating a partnership, setting out to make a film. I mean, and, and, and through every stage, I think just to kind of reiterate here, sometimes it seems like common sense, but I've seen so many times where this doesn't actually happen in practice. To be very clear, um, you know, communicate well with the people that you're going into business with, create clear expectations of what's being asked from you. Mm-hmm. And of what you know, of what your responsibilities are, but also of what your your powers, I guess you know, your what what does that give you then? If I'm doing X, what do I get for Y? And that doesn't always have to be money, but it's you know some level of creative input or control or et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. That's super important hierarchy too. And so establishing really those things, clear, yeah. Setting, I've just seen you know where people have not set expectations properly, and you've got two different people who are so on different pages for expectations of what their role in the film is going to be and what they're going to get out of it when it's done, and and the two people didn't realize going into it that they were on such different pages, and you get halfway into the film or you you know you you come to some kind of milestone, and you're already in the thick of it, and now these two people realize that they're just on completely different pages. Oh, I've had that experience on things that I've worked on. Like I've, I've had experience on things that I've, I I actually, you know, for a little anecdote, um, the Western that I did, uh, last year. Um, and I was, so initially we were a friend of mine and I, who, who's still a really good friend of mine, um, co-wrote well, at, le- at and, least we and, know you guys survived the story. yes exactly yeah. but <laughs> we, we co-wrote and then kind of stepped up and said okay let's co-direct it mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. um basically what it was was that so i was going to be kind of the director behind the camera doing most of the cinematography as well and then he was he was co-directing and also playing a, a not the main character but a, a, a sort of a supporting role and that's so that's we, tricky the co-director yeah. thing is tricky i mean that's, and that's well but case. that's exactly yeah. what we found was that we we got you know it was like the third day of shooting and it wasn't explicit arguments like nothing ever got hot-headed but it was just very very fundamental disagreements on certain elements of like mm-hmm. i'd be setting up a shot and you know he would come over and sort of disagree with the placement <laughs> of the camera or something like that and yeah so it became to a point where you know we sort of halted filming for a few days and, and had a phone call and i sort of said I think what would do best for this is if, you know, and again, it wasn't supposed to be a power grab as much as it can kind of seem like that. But I sort of said, why don't I just take kind of the sole director's position on this? Yeah. And then you can, you know, when it comes to the writing, you can totally, if we have any any script revisions or things like that, you're, you're absolutely involved in that. But when it comes to like the onset kind of hierarchy there, it's going to really simplify things, especially since we have such different visions. And it was the first time we'd ever really like co-directed something like that. And we realized that, well, that the, yeah, that's the ideas for how we play out scenes are so different. And what you'll see with most co-directing teams usually is that they specialize in different areas. Like the Coens, one of them is super into, you know, working with the actors and, and kind of, and all that side of production. And the other one is much more into the, the DP the cinematography technical, technical stuff. And right. same with the, um, Lord, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, like most big director duos um, that co-direct have all the time. Yeah, have a clean division. They have a very clean division. And I think yeah. that, and, but they, at the same time of having a clean division, they have faith in each other that they'll fulfill the vision that they each share. Whereas what I found was that we didn't share a vision. We had a very different idea as to what the, what the aesthetic and what the, you know, the, the just sure. on a general Creatively. note, what the look and the, the feel of the movie should be. But you can see, I mean, had you guys, before you even started shooting, had you uh, communicated those expectations much more clearly, you wouldn't have had to have paused shooting. And, you yeah. know, of course, depending on the size and scope of the production, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, having to take a couple di- days to sort that out when you're in the middle of it could be just devastating. No, it could be the it could be the final blow. Yeah, it could be. And I know, think that I mean I'm glad that it happened on something like that where we were really in creative control of the project because it it like I'm I'm actually quite frankly glad it happened. Period because it, it taught me a lot about you know I I'm I just don't think I'm one to co-direct. I think that that's yeah. uh, not my thing, and and I'm glad that I learned that. Um, but it also again going into this feature. Um, kind of taught me exactly that that i really want explicit and i think when i when i kind of meant to to sort of um clarify what i meant before when that i said like i don't mean to say that i don't care about credit um 
what I more meant was that I care about duties and tasks, and I think this is much in line with what you're saying. Um, I care about duties and tasks being carried out by the people who are assigned to those roles. And right. so that when you get on set, you know what you're doing. You know where yeah. you know where to go, what to do, what to set up, and kind of how to prepare for the shoot. Um, what I kind of don't really care about is... Um, is you know at least especially when things are so tense in production and stuff is is just this like constant worrying of where the person's name is going to appear in the credits and things like right. that which yeah, again I... as you said i can i can sympathize with when you're working on something with someone that you might not know very well then of right. course you're you want that credit but if it's if it's you know if it's i've got a group of three friends and me so four of us total that that have for the past two or so years been making movies together um, almost nonstop and kind of trying to build up to this feature, which is what we're at now. Mm-hmm. And so we all know each other. We all know that there's not going to be a, a sudden shift in credit at the end, like the last hour, and, and that, you know, I'm right. going to lose my my writer's credit or whatever. Um, so that's kind of the point where I'm just sort of like, well, you know, let's just sit down and worry about the actual production aspect of these things right now. And then and then later on, once once we kind of get through the thick of it, we can we can re-examine those credits even though they're already written out we've got them written out but we can re-examine them if anything's changed yeah and kind of go that way but um well and it's like you trust these people right and this is what yeah, Herzog's exactly. talking mm-hmm. you know when herzog says you know uh doing a deal with the handshake i mean uh what's what's implied kind of behind that statement is a big huge giant pile of trust mm-hmm. right mutual trust yeah. i mean huge you know and so he doesn't speak to that specifically but what we can hear for just a second I don't think he means go make a handshake deal with a total stranger that you've never worked with before and you have no idea who this person is and you've not mm-hmm. vetted them and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, ad nauseum. You know, he's talking about doing a handshake deal with somebody that he, I mean, he clearly trusts these people. So, you know, uh, and, and this is no matter what stage of your career you're in, this is well within your power to do to research somebody to take a look at what their track record is. And especially depending on the scope, you know, certainly if they're asking you to invest money or invest a huge amount of your time, I mean, you, you've got to do your due diligence. And, and I'll say this, um, and this, this is from, this is from experience for me, for sure. I used to think that I was a really good judge of character and people would tell me, uh, you're a really great judge of character, Clark. Uh, and I thought, I mean, I like kind of it was a, almost a pillar of my like how I saw myself. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people kind of feel I, I'm likely I think if you ask, you know, 100 people, hey, do you feel like you're a good judge of character? I'm going to guess probably like 95 people are going to say they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we have all these kind of intuitive keys that we kind of use. We think somebody's lying or not lying. Well, I will offer this uh, this little piece to people out there. It's very likely, matter of fact, it's almost a certainty that you are not as good a judge of character as you think you are. Mm-hmm. And that's because humans are not nearly as good a judge of characters, this intuitive kind of response that we have to people that, that really convinces us, right? It's very convincing to you inside your mind, inside your heart, but we aren't nearly, not nearly as good at predicting people's behavior by just our intuitive sense of who they are. And this has been borne out in study after study after study after study. And um, I would offer this suggestion to people to actually look at track record, to actually look at what is this person's history of work? Have they Mm -hmm. ripped off other people? Have they, you know, are there people out there complaining that their work environment was crap or that they were horrible to get along with, et cetera, et cetera. That's what's important. And um, and sometimes, of course, that track record doesn't exist uh, if people are just starting out. But, you know, inevitably, there are people that they've worked with. There are previous projects. Don't hesitate to talk to those people, to reach out to them, to see what they're because that's that's the only way to predict a person's kind of future performance is by looking at their past performance. So I mean, oh, yeah. if, you're, if you're getting ready to get in bed with somebody on a major project and it's going to take a lot of your time or your money or whatever that, you know, your reputation, you're always putting your reputation online when you put yourself with a group of people to work on a project. I strongly, strong, I could not more strongly recommend that you look at the, the major primary collaborators that you'll be working with. Look at their track record. 
So yeah, and the film industry is such a small world that the likelihood that you actually know somebody who has worked with that person before is actually really high. I've noticed that every time I get a job sure. with somebody or I'm offered a yeah. position with somebody that I know, even if it's not like a very, you know, close friend or something, I'll know somebody that, that has worked with them in, in, in the past. And so I can have a very candid conversation about, you know, what yeah. what was the working environment like? What was the, you know, even something as like how prompt were the payments if there's payment involved? Absolutely. That's Absolutely. so important because that it can... It is so important. I've and had just, great set experiences before, and then the payment didn't come for, you know, three months of me prodding to get that payment after, and I have no interest in working with those people again. Absolutely. Even though the set experiences were great, it's like, you know, and not to say that I'm a stickler for, you know, I gotta get my money, no, but, but, that's, but there just but, becomes a point where it's like, are you are you so focused on your own project that you're now undermining, yeah. you know, you the efforts? You have to respect. And, yeah, you have, yeah, don't, and yeah. don't feel bad about that either. I mean, you know, you even kind of, you know, hedged a little bit. You're like, hey, well, it's not like I'm, you know, just consumed by payment. It's not why I do this. Yeah, it, and I think I, we've all said that at some point or another. I've had payment be late as well, et cetera, et cetera. And you're like, oh, I don't want to be that person who's like, seems like I'm only in it for the money or something like that. But I always see this as like a sign of respect, right? I mean, unless there's been some substantial you know, something has happened with production, you know, nobody's getting paid, you know, like invest, you know, something substantial. But I mean, barring extremely, extremely rare circumstance, if you're, if this, if your side of the bargain is not being fulfilled by the people that you've made that contract with, that this is just pure disrespect. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. going to work. And with I've got that written right into disrespect. the, you know, the contract that I, that I sure. get any clients to work with is, is, you know, I've got a thing about um, new clients, I get half up front. Oh yeah. Um, and then after the fact, you know, after the payment, it's it's you know thirty well, days is the let's max talk thing. Let's talk about this for, real quick. Yeah. Let's put this in yeah. context for people. Let's talk about this. So what you're talking about now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is your like your video like your videographer or director for hire side of your work, yes right yeah. okay yeah. so so we both have experience with this just for the people out there to get some idea of our uh, context. So now we're kind of talking a little bit less about making you know. Uh, uh, feature narrative films or or documentary films and now we're kind of talking about a gun for hire doing industrials advertise you know commercials that kind of thing you know so i have never worked in that capacity without a contract ever Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah ever and i would strongly you know and of course this is a little bit this is different herzog is not exactly talking about this kind of work but what we can speak to it a little bit here yeah i mean i've never worked uh, as a videographer or as a director for m- marketing type content without a contract. Now they're mm-hmm. they're quite simple, but they always designate how much I'm getting paid. They always designate what happens if I don't get paid and what amount of time. It always mm-hmm. very specifically designates exactly what is being asked of me and exactly what the client is getting and exactly when they're getting it and how much that costs. Um, I mean, to and any caveats of, of, you know, I've got, got caveats it. in there for any broken equipment and, and you know, what things like that. And yes. I think that the other thing, too, is I what I've learned is that and if I can give any advice to somebody who's starting out, it is it is never rude to the other person to vouch for yourself. Um, Tell us what you mean so, by that. So I think a lot of people going into it think that, you know, if I, so in my contract now, I've got a thing that says, you know, after 30 days, um, if the payment isn't received, then a 1.5% compounding interest rate will be added. Wow. Um, you're, you're so, generous. I think mine's like 10. <laughs> oh, I should, I should up my, I should up my prices. <laughs> well, but I mean, even then it's, rates it's one have of been going where... down. So, you know, you're probably, it's like, you know, now with rates, like the feds got it at zero here in the United yeah, States. Yeah, yeah, Ma- yeah. Maybe you're more in line with reality. But I, 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 but I think that's but... the, the thing is, is, uh, you know, you think of that, like when I was first starting out and I was putting that in there, I was like, Oh, does it sound like I'm threatening the person? But no, mm. no, 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 it is never. I think that a lot of people that are starting out, they fear sounding rude or they they fear exactly and it was the same thing when i was working as a bartender you know if my if my boss said uh hey can you work late tonight um i would say yeah here's here's what i want to to extend my hours there this is what i will be getting for that and it's Mm -hmm. again it's negotiation most of the time those people if they are if they have the money to pay you they will pay you and they won't have any you know they won't go that person was rude because they asked for more payment because you just have to prove that you're worth that payment but well, again, this, it's, it's, yeah. it's it's just one of those things that like I've I've just noticed that a lot of people are scared to kind of vouch for themselves in that way and to and to really set set the bar there to a, to a point where you're going, this is what my terms are, 
Um, and you know, if those, if everything goes well, then we'll have a great time, then it'll be fine. And we'll have a great working relationship. This is um, a good point, Cullen. This is a really good point. You know, Herzog doesn't, again, it, he doesn't speak to this specifically or directly, but this is a really good point. And we, you know, to touch on is that, you know, you do have to value yourself regardless of where you're at in your career. It's really important to value yourself, whether you're mm -hmm. an actor or director or writer, or DP, whatever position you are on set. Um, it, it's so important to value yourself and it's okay. Not only is it okay, but it's perf I mean, if, if you're a professional, it's absolutely expected that yeah. you dictate the terms at which you want to be a part of this project. People will usually weirdly enough respect you more oh, for doing enough. so. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Of course. I mean, anybody who's worth working with, anybody who is worth working with will respect you. Matter of fact, if people have a problem, and and I'm we're, we're, and we're, of course we're talking about dictating appropriate, uh, reasonable terms. We're not talking about dictating ridiculousness. You know, if this is like your first, you're like you know dictating that you have want a trailer for like you know an AFI short film that you know you're going to be <laughs> cast in as like a background. I mean, come on, you know it's like within reason. But I mean to to be very clear and assertive, right? Uh, politely assertive. It should be respected, and it's a good sign that you're not working with good people if they have a problem with that. Mm -hmm. If they have a problem with you saying, "Hey, this is this is what I'm doing. This is what I expect in return. This is how I want to be treated," and being um, able to negotiate on the fly again with the, like I said with the caveats thing, where it's you know at, at TIFF last year when I was doing camera work for um, the TV network here. Um, I remember I had a daily pay and one, and that was a eight hour pay. It was, or no, I can't remember what the day was. It was, it was 11 hours, sorry, yeah. the, the 11 hour day. Um, and I got paid a certain amount for those 11 hours. And there was one night, it was the wrap night where we had to basically, the whole way that TIFF works is that there's one hotel downtown that all of the media um, is done in. So like all the interviews, all that is, are all done in this, this hotel. So like every news organization, every entertainment, you know, entertainment tonight's there, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, IMDb, they've got their suite set up. Right. Um, so it is basically this big building. And of course, when you're trying to tear that down at the end and you're trying to strike the set at the end of the uh, week, it's going to take a while because you have to get everything from, you have to use the service elevators, you got to get everything out, you got to load the truck, blah, blah, blah. There's lots of trips up and down and stuff like that. Um, and so I wound up being there about double the time that I was, that I was being paid to be there. Mm. And, you know, I very, again, calmly and respectfully kind of went up to the producer afterwards and I said, Hey, um, this will, I, I'll, I'll likely invoice you for, for these extra hours. Um, and then we negotiated a price and it was fine. And there was no, yeah. there was no like weird, uh, Absolutely. you know, harsh talk or, or any fight. They just kind of said, yeah, of course. And and we sat down and we negotiated what that, that, and I wound up getting paid essentially double what I was making because Which was that was the hourly. It was and exactly. it was appropriate. Right. You know, yeah. And so I think that's a good example. Yeah. And so it's, I think when you come from a place of, you know, you value yourself uh, and you have, a, you know, a bit of self-confidence and you're reasonable, mm -hmm. um, then this is likely going to be the outcome. And again, it's and if somebody if he would have replied to you in a way that would have been completely dismissive or what I mean, then you just know, OK, I checked this person off my list. I'm never working with them again. You know, mm -hmm. done deal. Uh, and then over time, you you build up a network of people who have treated you well and you've got along with. And then, you know, this is likely what Herzog has done. Right. Yeah. And it, it takes mm -hmm. time. But um Absolutely. So, um, I mean, but much in line with what we were talking about last time too, that goes for when you're in charge too. Um, I was very clear on the outset of this feature absolutely. that, that anybody on set, I'd like them to be in the very least compensated for their time and not an honorarium or gas money or what, mm -hmm. some sort of monetary compensation for their time plus points in the, in their contracts of, you know, if we recoup costs that they, they get right. a percentage of that um recoup good good point good point you know so as a leader so we've a little bit we've kind of been talking about uh if you're being brought onto a project by somebody else but that's a really good point cullen if you're the if you're the head honcho if you're lead in the project and you're bringing people into your project um you know do not shortchange this process you don't have to you know depending on scale you don't have to overly formalize it again you don't have to go to a 60 page contract with attorneys and everything but you know i think the people that you bring on board are going to really really respect you 
for being clear in your communication and being assertive and and direct and you know even you know putting a few just putting expectations and putting returns on paper can be very simple but i really feel like if you're looking for a way to immediately you know step up your game for you know how prof- how professional and uh, you're coming off and how much respect you have with your cast and crew there is a darn good way to do it right there and it wouldn't mm-hmm. cost you anything but time yeah. so um and and with that in mind then let's jump to you know uh, herzog talks about familiarizing yourself with basic legal terms and concepts and thank goodness we live in a day and age where you can do that practically for nothing online Mm-hmm. There are so many sample contracts that you can look through and read. There are so many books uh, that cover and and content online that covers le- general legalese as well as legalese specific to the film industry. Um, and it's not that you have to jam all of your you know your contracts or agreements with people f- full of this legalese, but having a basic understanding of how a contract is structured. Um, it would, is, is going to give you the, uh, the ability to do what we just said, to, to not only discern what people are putting in front of your face and asking you to sign, but to help you as the leader of your project to put together simple but effective and clear contracts for all of your cast and crew. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, and I won't name any specifics, but there really are some, I mean, if you just go, you know, with, if you like, you know, books, there's books, there's YouTube videos, there's just, there's like a ton of content. Um, Oh, yeah. I mean, as you said, we, we live in a very wonderful era in that you can essentially you have a, a dictionary at your, your doorstep at any time. Um, and so you can very easily. Wait, I think a I mean, dictionary at your doorstep. I've never heard that. One they before. show up to my door every day. and they're knocking. <laughs> <laughs> but um, is that what so Canada is so interesting to me in so many different ways. That's you know, how we, we learn to, our words. <laughs> we, used get, we used to get phone books. I don't know if you're old enough. Oh, to yeah, remember, yeah. Like, I, getting yeah. Phone books I was right before. at the cusp of that. Yeah. But how you know, but you but that would be if 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 our country actually delivered dictionaries to our doorstep, maybe we would be a lot better off. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. we, you know, I don't, anyway. Um, well, but, people probably wouldn't read them, but no, so I get your point. That but I do think that. it's really, I, I think it's really important though, like you said, is that making them simple, you know, don't try and throw in all these, like, this, no, no. These, again, these legal jargon words for yeah. for the sake of sounding smart. Don't try smart. to act fancy. It's just, just a, yeah. you know, lay out what is, is going to be, what, and, what the contract is covering, essentially. Lay it out in as simple as the terms as possible yeah and usually it's just a, i mean and again you can we're not going to get it we're not attorneys and we're not going to give any specific advice or anything but yeah i mean basically in a nutshell it's you know it's it's a record of what you're going to do and then what you're going to receive for having mm-hmm. done that and mm-hmm. that, i mean it's you know it's 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 just expectations this is what i expect to do and this is what i expect to receive in return that's it it's really that simple um for this level and of course my goodness if you're you know uh, if you're working with on a twenty million dollar budget, ten million, five million, one million, I mean, then you know you're going to have more things to go through. And I, I, I go back to how we started. I think it's prudent to work with an attorney who understands what they're doing if you're mm-hmm. going into a mm-hmm. project like that. But I think at the level that most of us are working at, you can really accomplish things with a very simple half-page page agreement. I even just call them agreements. Contracts. Well, I mean, again, it's people. exactly what call- you said. It's 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 negotiating. It, that's the whole point of yeah. the thing, right? It's like don't. I think again, it's another pre or like a misconception that a lot of people think that you almost have to have this like barrier of communication when you're writing a contract and or or an agreement to just hand it to the person and hope that but no yeah. work on it with the person no, it's that a you're collaboration exactly it's a collaboration. Yeah. yeah absolutely yeah. so another great point colin yeah it's not like you write this out in a dark smoke-filled room and then you you know hand it to the other you mail it to them in that, in that it yellow them, and it's thing like, yeah. you must sign this i think some yeah and that's where it's like i don't ever use the word you know, on small, tiny projects, I don't use the word contracts because yeah. it's, it's intimidating and scary. I just say, hey, let's throw together an agreement real quick. Yeah, they're not let's divorce like, papers. Let's just, bo- right, <laughs> let's just both work out what we want out of this deal. And, yeah. that, and, and then we have it on paper and then we have a clear understanding. Like that, that's all I, I ever do there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it's, uh, often Herzog speaks to this is it's more than just money. I mean, there's, this is an, also an opportunity where you can name collaborators you can, you know, make as a part of the components of your contract that you can work with certain people or that you can hire uh, certain other 
uh, if you're going to be a department head to hire different people that you want to work with. I mean, there's so many different aspects of this. Yeah. Um, I see it as an opportunity to kind of dictate your terms or come to good agreements with other people. So, you know, and I think it, Herzog speaks to this too. And, you know, Herzog is huge on urgency. We've talked about, I think, just about every lesson here thus far. Urgency has come into play at least once. Herzog definitely doesn't like to mess around when he makes films. And it's no different here. You know, he mentions that, look, if you if you can't make a deal relatively quickly, it's likely that you're not going to have one. Mm-hmm. And I think for the most part, that's pretty true. Yep. If if you can't come to a, an agreement on how to work with somebody now um, and what the project's going to look like, and, and it takes you more than you know a week or so to do that, yeah, it's it's unlikely that things are going to go And anywhere. if it does work, it's more often or not going to be a strained relationship uh, yeah. because it, there's going to yeah. always be those backside things that you were spent you know hours mulling over with each other and it, yeah right it's just it just it sucks the fun it right just out of might it. not be right it just may not be if there's that many you know stickling points or if, if the communication is that strained or whatever the case may be maybe it's time to move on well i think um, uh, another another great point that herzog makes though in this lesson is about the fact that you know especially working with larger financiers or if you're kind of again director for hire or you've been brought on to a project yeah. Um, except that you can always be fired and that that replacement is, you know, not to scare yourself, but let that kind of stri- like make you strive to do better and to prove that you are the only person who, who should be capable of doing mm. that job. And and I think that that kind of mindset really um, changes the way that you operate on sets and it'll make you more willing to kind of, you know, both be flexible, but also be very confident in yourself and be able to sort of say yeah you know what i'm here for a reason and and i'm gonna i'm gonna do what i can to to prove that not only should i be hired for this project or continue to be hired for this project but i should be hired for other projects too because you know if there's producers that like you on one project they will likely again call you back for for more and more work interesting so you're saying that just kind of keep in mind that you're not um that you're expendable in a sense. I think, yeah, I think a lot of directors get this this head about them where it's like, this is my, even if it's not a script they wrote, even if they were brought onto the project just to direct, they get this head about them that it's like, this is my project, you know, this mm. is this is my vision, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm the one that's making this movie. And, you know, a lot of times those people can really be fired. It happens in, in major films. How many sure. movies uh, that, you know, big Hollywood blockbusters that came out in the last five years have we heard about directors being fired or being let go or splitting due to creative dis- differences and kind of things like that. And it's like, you know, you're, you have confidence in your work, but also understand that, that have some humility, have some <laughs> humility and understand that, you know, you might, uh, you can screw up. And you can screw up badly and do everything you can to avoid yeah. that and make take every precaution you can to, to make sure that doesn't happen. And um, and things usually, you know, wind up going pretty well. Well, and that's, I think, just in general, right? You do the best you can. Uh, it's, you know, I think everybody who's in this industry uh, has a passion about being in it because, my goodness, like, why would you be doing this if you weren't extremely passionate about it? Your likelihood of having a, being able to, provide a living for yourself and your family as a filmmaker is ridiculously low the stress and insecurity that comes from this uh, career is ridiculous so the assumption would be that you're quite passionate about it mm-hmm. so if you aren't my goodness ask yourself what are you doing here right i guess just in general i mean if you're on set and you're there's a million other places you want to be I'd say go do something else. Uh, for oh career. yeah, and and, <laughs> but, and but I mean, I think again it just comes down to communication, especially on set. With you know again one of the first things that I I spoke to the producers on this feature about was that um, we have to make sure we have an open line of communication so that if I fi- I feel something's not going well on the set, we can have a private conversation about that. Not you know you never want to air that dirty laundry in front of the crew, but perhaps there's some time when you really just need to rant to somebody and a producer can be a very good person to do that to because they often are the people in, in the position that can fix those problems and at the same time i said to them if i'm doing something that you aren't happy with or that you feel could be done differently or whatever then we can have that conversation it's about you know people again going back to that earlier point that i made people get so afraid of of words they say coming off as insult mm. when in reality i think that you just have to have understanding that 
pretty much everyone on that set is is doing their job to make the best movie they can they can make um yeah right top to bottom and if you understand that even ideally, if there's a creative yeah. decision yeah ideally yeah but even if there's a creative uh difference between your you know vision and the producer's vision at the end of the day the producer's vision is to make the movie the best they can just as yours is so just talk to the people you know just just be willing to be to have these conversations and usually right. that'll be you know that can well, that can oftentimes this, be a lifeline and this goes back to you know working with people that you can trust uh and being assertive but polite and communicating expectations uh and responsibilities from the get-go i think mm -hmm. all of these things are kind of hand in hand but let's talk a little bit briefly here in our last few minutes uh about negotiating specifically with actors mm -hmm. uh herzog breaks out that section kind of specifically and talks about negotiating for actors if i'm not mistaken i think he talks about making an offer to christian bale um for uh I'm like just totally spacing the name of the film which was it's uh rescue dawn right that was the am, am i correct in that one cullen rescue mm -hmm. dawn is uh the christian bale like yes. the, the pow yeah, yeah. Um, which I quite liked. I, I quite liked that flick. Um, but he talks about how, you know, reaching out to him and not being able to, to offer uh, Christian Bale anywhere near his going rate. And, you know, uh, obviously this is not a problem that most of us are going to have in the sense that you're going to be reaching out to A-list actors and not being able to offer them their rate. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But... You know, and Herzog is in obviously a very unique position uh, relative to most of us in the sense that he has a body of work that puts him in a position where he can have talent wants to work with him. Yeah, he's quite and prolific, he, yeah. yeah. Well, not just prolific, but I mean, he is legendary, man. Yeah, Come on, yeah. this is why we're here. <laughs> yeah, like, the guy's a legend, okay? <laughs> yeah. It's like, a lot of people might be prolific, but that doesn't mean they're good. He's mm -hmm. both prolific and good. You know, so I think, you know, he has access to a roster of talent that want to work with him, both in front of the camera and behind, that most of us won't have. But having said that, you know, there is definitely, uh, there, there are negotiations to be had for talent for your film, who, whoever you are out there. Um, and certainly, you know, we start right off the bat with quality of script, right? Um, this is just ridiculously huge. Um, if your script is killer, then obviously you're going to be much more likely to be in a good negotiating position for talent, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. you know, actors. I've seen a lot of cases where uh, actors took quite a bit less than they might have otherwise taken because the role they felt offered a lot to them just as an actor or as an artist or as an opportunity to be seen in a different way. So uh, I think that goes without saying, though. I mean, the stronger your script, the stronger your story, the, the more leverage you have in every single instance of, you know, of filmmaking. But um but yeah, I mean, and, and he talks about, I think he talks also about, you know, convincing people to work on your film. Um, how do you find actors, negotiate, etc. I mean, your passion for the project is so, so, so important. Mm -hmm. um, and there we kind of, cut right, it's like being, being passionate, you don't want to stretch, you know, we talked in the very beginning, kind of stre stretching the your your uh the realities of your project because you're so passionate about it but i can't tell you how many times i've seen passion in the room went out and i don't you know what your experience is with this but passion and clarity of vision are so yeah. important i mean they are so vital as a director of course that's what you do as a director you're you are the person with the vision and you communicate that vision to other departments to execute it mm -hmm. uh and but i have seen so many directors not have clarity of vision. Oh, geez, yeah. The and silent it, types. <laughs> and I just, well, or, you know, and look, there's so many different types of people that you don't have to be an extroverted, gregarious, you know. No, pitchy, absolutely not. Yeah. You know, used car, you know, definitely not like the used car salesman. Sorry if anybody out there is used car salesman. I, I don't mean <laughs> any disrespect. It's a shorthand. But, um, but, you know, I have seen it. I have seen it so many times. And it's a skill that you have got to work on. It, your ability to concisely, with passion, present your vision for a film is so key. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. right here is a great area where it's key to be able to impart that passion 
to a you know to a collaborator here we're talking specifically about actors but it could be anywhere is so vital and i and that starts with your connection to the story in my opinion it can't start with uh this is a stepping stone for my career i'm going to get recognition from this i'm going to get money from this you cannot manufacture the kind of passion that comes from being deeply deeply connected to the story that you're telling you can't i just don't think you can fake it and i think when that's real and you're sitting at a table with an actor or you know a, a prospective actor or you're you know writing a letter to an actor's agent to see if they could potentially take a meeting with you or whatever mm -hmm. you can't fake that it is so key and i have seen it happen like when when that director or producer sometimes too as part of a pitch have that true deep connected passion to a story it's amazing people people are waiting for that people are I, they are just desperate to see that when you walk in the room with that it just it just you just you can blow a place up man yeah totally. i don't know if you know if you've seen this too but you know um so that's so important it's so key i mean i would you know and some of these skills you kind of have to practice not everybody is uh you know it sometimes it takes work you have to really put in work to be able to kind of practice or rehearse your your pitches to to really get you know your ability to concisely tell your story to somebody to sell them on it so to speak can be rehearsed it can be practiced it is a skill that can be refined you know mm -hmm. so i just don't think that it if it's not there innately immediately that you can't you know work on that you totally can work on that i mean i can only imagine okay cullen wouldn't that wouldn't this be great can you just imagine herzog in a pitch room <laughs> or like you know he's in a studio, like he's in a meeting, yeah. you know, and he's like trying to get money for a oh, script. I, just I would be, love. I would have loved to be in that uh, moment where he uh, where he realized that um, that Fitzcarraldo was was more you know interestingly about the boat than about anything else. Yeah, and and I, like just hearing him kind of make that discovery and go, I want to make the movie about uh, the boat. <laughs> I, I would so love. I would so love to hear Herzog in a yeah. room, you know, especially maybe when he was, you know, I, I have a hunch he's never been one to, to, to beg or, you know, to really work to sell so much. But I think just uh, his, his true genuine passion for whatever story that he's telling at the moment, it's infectious. And, and mm -hmm. I, it's yeah. clearly infectious because here, here we are right now, we're talking about him, look at the films he's made. And, you know, of course, not only is this important for, uh, sitting down and you know negotiating with actors or you know pitching to actors but the, of course this is like your passion and connectivity to the story is what like why make a film if you're not if you're not it's you know yeah. Yeah. um but i just want to kind of reiterate and focus on how important that is uh where i'm actually in the process of doing this now and i'm going to learn more from this and maybe i can come back in a later episode and share from this process but you know right now uh, we're in pre-production on a low-budget horror feature film, and we've got the script, you know, pretty darn close. We're all pretty happy with it. We're in the process of, uh, of fundraising for the film, and we're doing pretty well. And we're at a stage where we're going to try to uh, see if we can get some letters of intent, basically. So we're reaching out to uh, a handful of actors for several roles, uh, people that we are inspired by, whose acting we genuinely, truly appreciate, but who we also feel could be a good fit for, for the roles. And we're, we're sending out uh, offer, basically pitches to take meetings. Uh, and this is one of the great benefits of IMDb Pro, for example. It's pretty darn easy to get a hold of a manager or an agent for somebody. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, we're going to see what happens. And but... you can get a free month trial for IMDb Pro. So if you're making a hey, movie, and IMDb that, Pro, right? if you want to sponsor this podcast, please, by all means. Yeah. Give <laughs> but us yeah, you can get free... it. Yeah. <laughs> you can get, and, and just uh, also, they offer so many discounts too. Uh, I yeah. know that I get a pretty substantial discount for being SAG AFTRA. Uh, there are a lot of, you know, so there's a lot of avenues to go there, but you're right. You could even get a month free. Um, but, uh, you know, so I just want to say that that, you know, being able to communicate that passion of your project is just boom. It's, it's su super killer key, but yeah, yeah I, I'll let people, I'll, I'll kind of keep you guys 
uh, up to speed and let you know how this process goes. I'm sure I'm going to learn as a well, lot yeah. about it. Yeah, I'm sure I'll learn a lot about it. But I think we're about we're about the same place for both of our features there. So. Oh, are you, okay. You're you're doing the same thing right now, Russell? Yeah, right. Or? I mean, at the moment, we are basically okay. finishing up scripts and in pre with like budget and all that, and that's that's okay. What we're, well, you know what? Let, we'll we'll kind of compare notes and we can yeah. uh, share our experiences with our listeners here as we go, because uh, I'm definitely going to be learning. Uh, from this as well. I've, I have never had name talent in a project yet that I've been a significant uh, part of. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking really forward to seeing how this goes. Yeah. So good luck to you too. And, and yeah. we'll let people know. Well, what do you think, Colin? Uh, I think we've covered pretty much everything mm-hmm. that Herzog touched on and added our own little spin and thoughts to it here. Any Any last parting comments about negotiations that you've got? No, I think, I think we uh, kind of hash it all out there <laughs> awesome well uh once again colin i want to thank you for spending some time with me here discussing one of my favorite directors of all time and his philosophies on filmmaking i had a blast and i hope you listeners also enjoyed it and uh we will see you next time where we will discuss lesson seven locations Awesome. All right, Colin. Thank you so much, buddy. And everybody, we'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye.